0: Happy Labor Day weekend. Church, would you stand with me as we prepare to worship together this morning. Church, I want to ask you something before we start worship today. What have you fixed your gaze upon? What is in front of you? We're going to be singing a song this morning called, What I See. And it would be very easy to say, it's hard for me to sing this song or sing about this XYZ thing within the song because I haven't physically seen this happen. I haven't seen some of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, so to speak, that the song talks about. But throughout the Bible, there are so many times that the people who were just like us had circumstances that scared them, that made them feel inferior, that were impossible by any natural standard. And instead of just looking at what was physically in front of them, instead of letting the circumstance dictate reality, They looked instead and fixed their gaze on God and on what He said was possible, on what He said would happen, on what He said was good, on what He said was coming. And I would uh, wager to bet that there is, everyone in this room is facing something today. There is something standing in front of them, some sort of Goliath that would try and block their vision from God. But our God is omnipresent and He can be seen in every single atom and molecule in this world. If we look for Him, if we choose to see Him, whether we are on the mountaintops and everything is clear below us, or whether we are in the deepest pit and there is nothing to see but Him. Wherever you are today, I want us to declare that what we see is God-breathed. What we will continue to see and choose to see is fueled by faith and not by sight. So church, let's keep that in mind together as we sing this song.
1: Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? I see lightning like thunder Something so To be a resurrection.
2: off on. Thank you. Church, I want you to know that God changed things up this morning because of you. Um, Let me just tell you a little bit of a backstory. So my heart is a heart of being a worshiper, Um, but I haven't been leading worship since we kicked back up after the pandemic. And so, this, and, and it's changed a lot. We have in-ears, we have all of the things, all of the technology that I feel unworthy to operate. But this morning when I came in, I felt like God had started to say something to me in the car and I was like, no. And then he said it again and I was like, no thank you. <laughs> Like if you'd be more polite, sometimes you can push God's will a little bit further away from you. And I started to feel like he wanted to change a little bit of the morning because he knew who was going to be in the room. And it was, it was hearts that are so, like, so well-intended but weary. Like so wanting to walk with God and walk in the goodness of God, like Jake said, in the land of the living, but just really tired, like things have taken a toll. And that's what I kept seeing. And so I said, I just felt that like God wanted us to change the song and he wanted me to lead through it. There's a couple things with that. Never sang the song, don't know the song, never let up here and on and on and on and nerves and all that that. I just really felt like I was walking around the sanctuary praying and I still was giving him a no. And I felt like God just said, are you afraid to worship me? And I was like, oh, no, no, that's not the problem. It's all of the other things, like we say in life. Like, do you not believe who I am? Oh, no, no, that, I know know you are God. It's just all of the other things that are giving me a run for my faith. And he's like, well, if you're not afraid to worship me, then just go up there and worship. Because what's more important is to declare with this song, because it wasn't like just get up there and lead Danielle, it was this song. And it was for the people in this place. And so, my beautiful brother Jonathan here has learned this song in five seconds. And we just invite the Spirit of God. There's nothing magical in me, in my voice, in a worship team, in a track, in a preacher. It's truly the Spirit of God, that's it. And this song talks about let praises rise from the inside of me and let me delight on the inside, like not all of the things that we are so busy doing on the outside, but like the inside stuff, the place that doesn't always find its way to the atmosphere, but creates its own atmosphere inside of us. Let those parts, let them rise this morning, church. Let them rise to you. I hey, let them
3: rise to you, my Lord of hope. It's to you I sing. It's to you. I raise my life, so let praises arise from the inside, from the inside of me. And may you delight from the inside. From the inside of me and come feel my life. From the inside, from the inside of me and set me on fire. From the inside from the inside of me cuz all I want is for you for you to be glorified for you to be lifted high all I want to be lifted high that's it god that's it god only that god only that god only you god only you god glory in this place belongs to you Let praises, let praises rise, yes, from the inside, from the inside of me. May you delight, oh, from the inside, from the inside. And come oh, feel my mind. oh feel every everybody, from the even the hidden power from, from the inside, oh, send me, send me. On. Set me ¡Oh! oh. to so
2: Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you that when we make a place for you, you come quickly. God, thank you for not trying to lure us toward you and making us await something and do some sort of trick and get it correct. God, it's just creating space for you and you come. Fill our lives so that all they see is you, Lord. And fill our lives so that all you see is you. When you look at us, I pray, Father, that you see more of yourself and less of us, God. I pray that this morning would be an understanding of decreasing ourselves and increasing you. God, I pray for those hearts that came in trying but tired. Oh, Lord, I pray that you show them right now, that you saw them and that you respond to them, to them quickly. As they brought themselves to the house of the Lord, you were waiting for them all along. God, thank you for being a good God and a loving God and a God that understands what humanity needs. And Father, we focus, we hone our spirit's attention, our mind's attention, our heart's attention on the things above as the things of this earth grow strangely dim. Father, may we delight in the light of our God. Amen.
4: wow. Well, good morning, church you know there's something about obedience especially when that obedience stretches us and it's easy to be able to take in these moments and say oh it's it's so easy because it's a gift it's a gift it's a gift but the truth isn't the truth is all of us have gifts what we experienced part of what we experienced this morning is the willingness to step out into something that's uncomfortable and be stretched just to give God the glory. Just to give, I can assure you, Danielle would love to do nothing more than to be behind scenes, never to be seen, never to be on stage, never, never. That's just not who she is. But there's something that happens when you say, God, you know what, other people, What you want to do in someone else, what you want to do in this room, what you want to do in me, what you want to do in my kids, what you want to do in my family, what you want to do in the church, what you want to do in my city, what you want to do in my world. I know it's going to stretch, I know it's going to stretch me. But in the stretch, there's something that's powerful that happens. And you know it because you just experienced it. So I'm so thankful that you were willing to stretch yourselves and come this morning and be a part on this Last day of summer in New Jersey. I know it's not technically the last day of summer, but in New Jersey, like these, this is last weekend of summer. And uh, stretch yourself to be here, to put gas in the tank, to get out of bed, to invite a friend, to, to be here this morning. So thank you. Thank you for coming to Connect. Thank you for being here. We love you. And if this is your first or second time, thank you for being our guest. We really pray that you make this your home. Consider this a home. We really do want to see you fit into this community and be a part of it. And if you are uh, down the shore this, uh, this morning, we love you. If you're uh, in the hospital, and li- at your li- in your living room, if you're on the online community, we love you. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for joining in. But we pray that your faith, you join in with faith where you are, not just here, but where you are, so that you can glorify God in the midst of that hotel room, that beach house, that living room, that hospital room, God will manifest himself there, and you get a chance to manifest your praise there. We want to join with you in that as well. You know, I do know that this is Labor Day weekend, and, uh, you know, the the, the word says in Deuteronomy 28 that there was a prayer, and it was asking the Lord to send rain on the crops and to bless the work of their hands. And I want to pray that over you. It, It doesn't matter what field you're sowing in. Whether that's field, uh, that, that's uh, in business, or if it's a field in, in your family, wh- whether it's a field uh, that is, is full time, part time, volunteer, it doesn't matter what field you're sowing in. I want to believe. I'm going to pray for God to send rain, not a storm. Do you know there's a difference between a rain and a storm? Storm brings destruction. Rain brings growth and blessing. So I'm going to pray that I'm going to pray that God that God blesses the work of your hand. Because that's who he is. My God blesses the work of his people's hand. How, what a great God. He could be just like, look, y'all messed up, y'all fouled Adam, y'all, y'all, I don't need, I'm giving you heaven. That should be enough. How good is our God that he goes beyond what we can ask, hope, or even imagine? That's how good our God is. So look, if, if you're in the field and you just, you're just saying, God, I'm going to trust you in this season. I'm going to trust you with the rest of this this this, this world. I, I, the rest of this, uh, this year. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, Lord God to make my place of business a, 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 a harvest field, a place where people are getting saved and transformed and healed and where there's breakthrough, where there's harvest in the, in the natural and in the supernatural. Can you just lift up your hands? I'm just going to pray. If, and we're just going to ask God to, to move in this place. Father, I thank you as we celebrate this Labor Day, Lord God, that you rema- that you rem- remind us that we labor for you, that this world is yours and the fullness thereof, Lord God. Father, that, that, that he who builds a house, builds it in vain if they do not labor for you. And so, God, I pray that prayer. I pray that you send rain, Lord God. I pray that you pray send rain in the form of transformation in the presence of the Holy Spirit and blessing and increase, Lord God. Father, a harvest in those fields, in the community, in 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 their marketplace, in their families. In Jesus' name, we are praying that you bless the work of their hand and that the work of their hand may be done for the glory of our King. That whatever we do, whether we're Indeed, we do it all for your glory. And daddy, I thank you that you are a great God. You're a God who's a giver. You're a God who's a lover. You're a God who's a provider. You're a God who brings peace in the midst of our chaos. So, Father, send your rain. Send your latter rain of the Holy Spirit into this place. Send your rain into every field. Lord God, let your harvest be a hundredfold for your glory, for your glory, for your glory. And we choose to steward it for your praise. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We are not trusting what the economists say. We're not trusting what the news says. We're not going to trust, Lord God, what the world. We're going to trust in you that you are our provider. You are the king of kings and lord of lords. You are above every circumstance and situation. And we are the, we are the head and not the tail. I thank you, Lord God, that you are worthy of all praise. So from the inside out, let there be rain. From the inside out, let there be rain. In Jesus' name, let your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Can we just give God one, one, one a clap, a hand of praise? Lord God, we love you today. Thank you that you are a great God. We love you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Hey, as you're being seated, just can you just Take a moment. Say hi to somebody next to you. Give them a high five or a fist pump or whatever you feel comfortable. with. Well, just take a moment to be community. Be community. Mm. The Lord will open his heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, and send rain. Whew. Uh, well, are you guys ready for the word this morning? I know last week, last week we talked about what are we going to hang our hat on. And that we needed to hang our hat on who God is and hang our hat on his word for our life. And so I wanted to just follow up with that just a little bit. Because how many of us know that when we say yes to those things, we're going to come across some word. We're going to come across some scriptures. We're going to come across some calling in our life that, uh, that doesn't always sit well with us. Does, it, does, does anyone ever have a situation where the word doesn't sit well with you, like where you, like everyone else is lying right now, that what's, thus the word doesn't sit well with you, no, we all, we all come with that, and so if you, since you have your Bible, can you open with me to John chapter 6, John chapter 6, John is the fourth book of the New Testament, it's written by the Apostle John, a follower of Jesus, and if you need a title for today's message, it's Handling the Grumble, how do you and I. Once we've decided that we're going to hang our hat on God, hang our hat on his word, how do we handle the grumble that comes up inside of us? Come on, we all know, we all know the grumble. Uh, and I'm not talking about the grumble that comes when we're watching late night TV. Come on, somebody, and the Taco Bell commercial comes on. And you get the grumble to run to the border. I'm not talking about the grumble or the grumble. I don't know if you have neighbors like this or the grumble inside of you after your neighbor's dog leaves a biscuit on your lawn. Come on, somebody, and he doesn't clean it up don't be that neighbor or the grumble of maybe when you're at work and your boss stops midstream and asks you to do something that you don't think is part of your job description i'm not talking kind of about those grumbles i'm talking about the spiritual grumble when our soul comes across the word of god that's supposed to bring life but you and i have to figure out how are we going to fit it into our life that grumble And I think we all have that grumbling in our souls when it comes to the things of God in our life. So the real question isn't whether or not you and I are going to have those grumbles. It's how do we deal with them? How do we handle it when our soul doesn't want to do what God's word says we should do? Now, I know probably no one's ever come to that conclusion or in that place, but I'm going to tell you from my perspective, in my place, I've come there. I am there. There are words in the the Word of God that challenge the heck out of me because I am a human being, and I'm broken and just like you. So the question for you and I today really is not whether or not we're going to have grumbles when it comes to the Word of God, but what are we going to feed them when we do? Are Are we going to give in to that? TV ad and run to the border, come on somebody, and get a burrito supreme with no tomatoes and extra hot sauce on the side. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or are we going to feed it some self-discipline instead? Or are we going to feed the gossip and, and, and feed the offense to our neighbor or to our other coworkers, or are we going to actually feed it grace and work as if unto the Lord? When it it comes to the the things of God in our life, especially the things of God, do we feed it it what we feel is needed to meet our comfort levels? Or do we feed it faith to help us rise to where he is and what he calls us to be in our life? Because this thing of grumbling isn't just an us thing, it's a human thing. It's something that Jesus had to deal with when he walked on the earth and still has to deal with now while we walk on the earth. It's just part of our walk with him. Matter of fact, in this text, we're going to see that Jesus is dealing with people grumbling, not just the 12, but even more disciples than the 12 are in the same situation. He had just taught them that they had to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Now, that sounds really gross and weird, but what's he talking about? He's talking about communion. He's talking, he's giving them an image of the cross and what's coming uh, coming into their life. But because they processed through who they were and not through who he was, the grumbling got the better of them, and they all walked away. They all walked away. Now, I don't know if all of them stopped believing that Jesus was the Messiah or not. I don't don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure some of them maybe still believed, but even if they believed, they stopped following Even if they still believe, they stopped following. There was a distance because of this word. Do you understand? There's a distance because of the word between them and Jesus. It wasn't whether or not they were going to go to heaven or not. It created space, distance between themselves and Jesus because their grumbling became their guide rather than allowing the word and the spirit to be the guide. And the truth is, my friends, we all face these moments when it comes to God's Word. It causes our souls to grumble. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to believe that I would be like the 12 and continue to always follow Jesus. But the one truth I do know is whatever voice I listen to determines the intimacy I have with God. Whatever voice I listen to will determine my intimacy with Him. So when the grumbling gets the better of me, it will create space between him and me. And maybe you find yourself in that place. And if you ever do, let's go back to this word. Maybe we can learn something. The Bible says in verse 60, we're going to look at verse 60 and then hop down to 66. But it says, many of his disciples heard it. And, when they, and they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling. You can underline that word, grumbling about this. He said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh has no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But, they are, but, but to some of you, they, you will not believe. Verse 66 says this. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go as well? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Did you notice in this text that the group that Jesus is talking to is not uh, the Pharisees? They're not the Sadducees. They're not some religious crowd. He's not talking to a group of Romans or Greeks or people who are unbelievers. The Bible says he's talking to believers. There's a group of us. That come to a moment in time when Jesus says something that we don't like. And now we have to wrestle with it. These are believers. They were people that were willing to walk the hot and hard road of following Jesus. Until a hard word challenged their soul. See, can I just say first and foremost, all of us face hard words. And, and there, there's words that are harder for me than harder for you, right? There's some, some that are harder for you than the person next to you or behind you or in front of you. It's just why we can't judge how we really are as a Christian by looking about around by other people. We can't do it. Because we, all, we are facing hard sayings. Just, just, here's just a few, okay? Just so in case we think we've got it all together. Let me just get a list. Forgive or you will not be forgiven. Done. Done! Judge not, or you shall be judged. Don't gossip or covet or be envious of what others have. Consider the needs of others before yourself. Submit to one another out of reverence and love for Jesus Christ. Bring the whole tithe, whole 10% into the storehouse. Don't forsake the gathering of the saints together in church on a Sunday give unto Caesar what is Caesar's but give unto God what is God's go into all the world and you make disciples don't get drunk on wine but continually be filled with the Holy Spirit pray continually deny yourself serve the Lord with gladness carry each other's burdens here's one keep the Sabbath Holy. I'm just going to stop. Because the issue for us is not perfection in these areas, it's pursuit. It's pursuit. Very often, the difference between living as a believer that we've been talking about and following Jesus as a disciple is simply found in pursuit. That when we come to these things that cause our souls inside to grumble, how do we respond? Does it keep us from running after him in that area? Or do we actually say, you know what, I don't like it, it's hard, but I've got to face the fact that there's something in me that's making me stumble in my grumble and i got to go. Come on. We all want to find the ones on this list that we do well. But even on the small list, can we all agree there are some cringe moments? On the small little list. So will we pursue him in those areas or not? It's easy to say, I'll hang my hat on Jesus as my savior. It's a little more difficult to say, I will follow him as Lord in these cringe moments. Because the challenge is, as believers, I think, in our modern world, especially in modern Christianity, many times we have learned to base our response to the word off of who we are. Who, well, this is just who I am, right? This is, this is how I see Jesus. This is how I see God. This is my experience. And that kind of thing, even though it's elevated and uplifted and applauded, it undermines our life because that's not the basis for his word. Disciples make decisions. They respond to the word off of who he is, not off who we are. Come on, the Bible says that he was the lamb of God, that Jesus was the Passover lamb, right? So this crowd knew the scriptures. They weren't void of knowing the scriptures. They weren't ignorant. They grew up in a church religious Culture. They understood Exodus 12 verse 11 says that the Passover lamb must be eaten. Must be eaten. But just like he wasn't going to turn himself into a little sheep, the Passover lamb, he wasn't going to hock off pieces of his flesh for them to eat either. But here's the issue. When we start from who we are and how comfortable we are with what he said, We will contextualize the message to meet our measure of control over the message. We will contextualize the message over how much control we can have of the message. Because it starts with us. It's what we see the Pharisees do all the time. All the time. But there's a great example of it in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 says, Jesus and his disciples were walking through a wheat field on a Sabbath, and his disciples started picking heads of wheat. Pop it in their mouth, right? It's first wheat fins. They just pop it in their mouth. They're walking. They're just having a little snack. It's awesome. The Pharisees freak out because you're not allowed to work. And that is work on the Sabbath. Because they had defined what keeping the Sabbath holy meant. They said you could walk 2,000 cubits on a Sabbath. Now, for you and I, they figured that out to be 1,000 steps. It's a little bit more than half a mile. You are allowed 1,000 steps on a Sunday, or for them, a Saturday. 1,000 steps. But if you went 1,001, no matter the reason, you are guilty, you're a sinner, you broke the law. Jesus said, you're crazy. If your son or an ox falls in a well on a Sabbath, you'll pick him up, but you won't let me heal somebody? You've got it all wrong, but do you understand when they started with themselves, they contextualized the message of God around what they could control to make sure they were okay or not okay, but Jesus brings it back to himself. His statement to them is this, but you don't understand the Son of God is the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the Lord of the... What he's saying is this. We have to contextualize the word based on who he is. Who he is, not who we are. That's why Jesus says, Do you not understand that my God did not make man for the Sabbath? He made the Sabbath the blessed man. Because that's who I am. But the challenge is, my friends, we rarely allow those kinds of scriptures to lead us to who he is and who we are not. Rather, we start with who we are And what is definitely not going to be. We come across scriptures and say, I hear you, God. But this is where I'm not going with it. So, let's talk about the scripture. The struggle, I think, in our world, especially in our modern world of Christianity where we can get podcasts all the time and we've got little quotes on every time we open up social media. Somebody has a quote here and someone has a quote there. And all of those things which can be so useful but at times are so detrimental is that you and I in our world struggle with a casual connection to the Word of God. We memorize verses or we, 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 we are f- we're familiar with verses that we perceive have benefit to us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? I am the head and not the tail. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. By his stripes I am healed. Come on. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus. We memorize all these scriptures that have perceived benefit to us. And what it has done is we live in a church world today that has developed a Christianity. uh, I'm sorry, a customized Christianity. Where we just customize Christianity to, to fit us, what we like, what we're in. And, and look, it's not all our fault. We're living in a world of individualized expression. Where individualized expression is glorified and, and pushed on us at every angle. It's all over our world, individualized expression. We call it branding in the world. But what it is is individualized expression. So we, individualize, we, we have this expression on everything. We customize our phone covers, right? We customize our home screens. We, we customize our cars. We, 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 our wardrobes, our individual expressions of who we are. We go to a restaurant and order dairy-free or gluten-free or, or vegan or keto. We, we, everywhere we are is an individualized expression of who we are. It's in the church world as well. It's done in church. Like we come to church, we're like, do they have the right programs or the wrong the program I can be in? Do they have the thing that I want? Are they, pro, are they conservative? Are they liberal? Are they Democrat? Are they Republican? I mean, do they sing the right types of worship songs? Are the worship songs too loud? Do they make me clap? Do they talk about money? Do they, is missions important or not important to them? And we pick the word the same way we pick church. What looks more like me? What looks more like me? That's what they were doing. This doesn't look like me. I can't see myself eating. I'm not accountable. I can't do that. What looks more like me? And when we do that, my friends, we teach our soul to pick off of what looks more like us than more like Jesus. And that's where the church, including us, so we make it look more like the world. Because all of us are more comfortable with the world than we are with holiness. We try to find our picture of prosperity. What's the picture? Do I find my picture of my special? Is this my tribe? Is this my people? Rather than looking and saying, is this Jesus? Where's Jesus? What's a community of Jesus look like? What's a community of disciples actually look like? Not what's a good church look like. What does a community of Jesus look like? What's a community of Jesus followers do? How do we act? How do we engage with one another? How do we engage with the world? We start with, are these my tribe? Is this my people? Will this church help me prosper? And I get it because it's not just you and I. It's not just our age. It's been here from the beginning. We learn from the best. Some of us have issues in our life that we think we're really good at, but we're amateurs compared to our parents, right? Sometimes our our parents, they're they're awesome. Or the people who came before me, we are amateurs compared to some of what they can do, right? And it's the same way in grumbling. We are amateur grumblers compared to the children of God in Israel. Well, the children of God in the wilderness... Come on, look at Numbers 13. God brings, the, they are pro-grumblers. They're pro like we're, we're like we're like single-A ball players. They are like all-star game grumblers. God brings them out of slavery, sets them free by his power. They have nothing to do with it, just follow. He wins victory after victory after victory for them, miraculously provides for them food and water in a desert, leads them to a promised land they didn't create, filled with abundant life, filled with milk and honey and everything they could ever want, and they still grumbled. And the grumbling got the best of them. Because the Bible says in Numbers 13 that when the 12 spies came back, 10 of them stood in front of the people, and the people believed what they said. They said, the giants in the land see us as grasshoppers, and we see ourselves as grasshoppers. Here's the issue. We see ourselves as rather than we see God as. We see ourselves as not being able to give. We see ourselves as not being able to forgive. We see ourselves as not being able to share grace. We see ourselves as never having peace. We see ourselves as always being in that bondage. We see ourselves as being defined by that issue rather than I see God as. And we've got to understand, my friends, when we are living in that mentality, it's the enemy that is limiting our intimacy with God. It's the enemy who's setting our level of relationship with God, not us. And the result is bondage. And in this bondage, this individualized expression allows our souls to make claims when we come, again, when we come to those grumbling words, those grumbling type of scriptures like, I mean, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. I mean, I can only do what I can do. I love this one. Well, God knows my heart. Here's the truth. He does. We don't. Like, when we say those things, we're like, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, I know. He does. You don't. That's the real issue here, right? I mean, the truth is that a teacher may know that I tried my best on the test, but there's still an answer key. And that answer key helps me understand my relationship with the information. It's not about how good or bad the teacher is. It's a revealer of my understanding and where I am in that relationship. The trap is, my friends, here's the trap, and I fall into this all the time. Dee can attest to it. I'm praying she doesn't. But she can. What we want our heart to be and what our hearts truly are are usually quite different. What we would like our hearts to be and what our hearts really are, usually very different. That's the trap that's inside of us that comes from fallen humanity. It's just who we are. That's why we've talked about this verse before in Jeremiah 17, 9, where the word says, your heart is deceitful above all things. Above all things. That should scare you. Above all things. Who can understand it? So it seems impossible to understand, but that's why God gives us his word. He gives us his word to help us understand our true heart. Not our perceived heart. Not our wishful heart. Our true heart, who we really are inside of us. Why? Because Paul tells us in Romans 7, 17, Why do I always do the things I don't want to do, even though God says it? Well, why? There's this fallen nature inside of me that's wooing me away from who God is. It's, it's the residue left over from Genesis 3, from our fall with Adam. It's the rebellion that's still in all of us. It's his residue. I remember when I went to a party uh, when I was in high school after a football game one night. I, can't, it, I was good at the party. I'm just throwing it out there. But it was pre-Jesus, so don't be judging. There we go. Judge not or you will be judged. There we go. I went to a party afterwards. I came home and my clothes smelled like smoke. My parents were like, You smoking? And I was like, no. But the the aroma was on me because it was the residue of what I was in. And how many of you know, unless you take those clothes and give them a good wash, no matter where you go and how often you go there, they're still going to smell like smoke. We have the residue of rebellion on us. We didn't smoke it, but it's on us. It affects us. It's in the environment that we carry around us. So that's why Ephesians five twenty six, which we'll be talking about in Forbes in the next two weeks, which is our men's discipleship groups. Jesus said this, when it comes to the church, I had to cleanse her by the washing of the word. The word of God, my friends, is oxyclean, man. It gets the stain out. It gets the aroma out. It helps us to be able to have a relationship with Jesus, with Jesus where we can see him for who he truly is. That's why I'm so glad when you look at Jesus, who is our example, who we're called to follow, I'm so thankful that when he was in the garden on the night that he was arrested before the cross, that he did not say to God, look, I'm not doing this cross thing. We're all good, right? Because you know my heart. We'd be in trouble. I am so thankful he didn't go, well, you know, God knows my heart. No, no, no. He said, I'm struggling, man. I'm grumbling. There's something in my soul that is struggling with this. But God, not my way, but your, not my will, but your will be done. See, my friends, our action and our reaction to the will of God and the word of God reveals our true heart towards God. Like, we can't be like, well, I really love God. I just don't love his word. I love to cook. Many of you know I love to cook. I love to cook. And the cool thing about cooking is that when it comes to meats, there's a standard temperature that determines Like medium, rare, medium, rare, all those kind of things. So, man, it doesn't matter if you throw your steaks on the grill or in the broiler and you think that they're medium, but the inside temperature doesn't meet that standard, it's still raw. Doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside, it's still rare on the inside unless it meets the internal, because there's an internal temperature standard. Same way with the word. Pastor D and I were talking about this the other day, and uh, she said she she started saying it's the same way with music because she's a music major, and she said, you know, our taste in music is subjective, but a B flat, you know, being flat or sharp is not. A a B flat in Cherry Hill is the same B flat if you're in Amsterdam. It doesn't matter. Like if you're sharp here, you're and you'll be sharp anywhere. It doesn't matter because those things are not subjective. It's the same with the word of God. It's not subjective. It's it's there as a marker to reveal who he is and what is still in the way between me and him in our relationship. That's what the word is for. The reality is, I think at times, we love the precepts and principles of God, but we've got to recognize that they are just a snapshot of who he is. And we put each one of those snapshots together and before you know it, you get the movie of who God is. But these are a snapshot of his character and of his nature. It's why he says, give and it shall be given because God's a giver. Forgive because he's a forgiver. Bring the tithe in the storehouse so that my people may have food because he's a provider. Right? Be holy because I'm holy. The precepts of God are a shining light that shines into our inner darkness to reveal our relationship with God And what is broken in it. It's not a list of what we should do or just shouldn't do. It truly is, why do these things make my soul grumble? When you come across those things, have you ever asked yourself your question, why why do I cringe? Why am I uncomfortable? Like these are the things that we have to understand. It's a light shining into our darkness. Because if we really believe the word is true and it's God-breathed, then Psalm 19 verse 7 says that the word of God is perfect It restores my soul. It restores my soul because my soul is broken. The testimony of God is sure. It it makes you and I who are simple wise. The precepts of God are right and they cause my heart to rejoice. The commandments of God are pure, they enlighten how I see life. They're perfect because they're Him. John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, was, God, was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was Jesus. They're Him. It restores our soul because our soul is broken. It makes us wise because without it we're simple. It's right because He is holy and true. It's pure because in Him there's no darkness at all. It enlightens my eyes so that I can see who I really am in light of Him and what, how I'm meant to walk. If, after this, I still want to follow Him. And these are questions we all come to with the Word. And I think the issue is, especially in our world today, we want to see ourselves on our own canvas. Like, we want to see our own, we're so impressed with individualized expression. We're, we're so taken with the, with the view that I was created to be Individual. But we're not designed to see ourselves on our canvas. We are the moon. He's the sun. We are designed so that others can see Jesus on the canvas of our lives. That's what you and I are designed to do. So therefore, the key must be found that disciples base the 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 response to the word from who Jesus is. Did you notice that these believers disagreed with the extent Jesus was asking them to go in order to follow him? That was the issue. I'm not willing to go that far to follow you, Jesus. And so often it gives into the lie that is so perpetrated in our world today. This lie right here, this lie, this lie, this lie. This is a lie from the enemy. I have no problem with Jesus. I just have problems with certain teaching. No. No. Then we have problems with Jesus. It's his word. It's who he is. It's his kingdom. It's his will. We're just afraid to say, I have a problem with Jesus. Like, that's really the truth. Like, I just, you know, this whole forgiveness thing, I, gotta, I, I know we're supposed to forgive, but, you know, I, just, I don't have a problem with Jesus. His whole life is about forgiveness. Then, yes, you have a problem with Jesus. Because look at this. The truth was their perception was wrong. They believed he was asking them to eat his real flesh. But what does Jesus deal with? Jesus doesn't deal with their uh, their perception. He deals with their place of presumption. Presumption. Their presumption is the same as ours very often. That when Jesus' word surpasses our level of comfort, the the presumption is that either Jesus is wrong or that he will need to adjust, adjust his standard to my level of comfort. We're like, look, when it surpasses, when we're, we're saying, God, I'm not comfortable going that far, then we have to inside of ourselves make a decision. We're like, God, then either this word is wrong, or you have to adjust who you are to my level of comfort. And I think the tragedy is found in that. Because the tragedy is we want to be a Joshua generation. We want to be a Joshua generation that enters into the abundance of God and revival and see people's lives changed and nations restored and life come back to people's lives. But, be, but our grumbling leads us to be a Jonah generation. A Jonah generation. Jonah, do you remember the story of Jonah and Jonah 1? He gets a word from God. He gets a calling from God, a word from God that causes him to feel uneasy. And he, he follows his heart. He, he does what feels right to him, and, and, and he flees the presence of God. And the Bible says he goes, he's on his way to Tarshish by the, by, by, by the seaport of Joppa. And we know the end of the story, right? The end of the story, or the middle of the story at least, is that like he gets on the ship, right? And, 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 and he gets in the middle of a violent storm, and he's thrown overboard by the people that are around him, and he gets swallowed up by a great fish. Have any of us ever felt like that? How in the world did I get here? How in the world did I end up where I am right now? How does it, why does it seem like I'm going from storm to storm to storm? Why does everyone around me throw me overboard, throw me under the bus? Well, why, how did I end up here? Those are really good questions. Do you know where I find the answer usually lies? In the fact that we went to Joppa. Our starting point was Joppa. Do you know the word Joppa means seems right? He started in a place that seemed right to him. The problem is this. I thank God that he got so I thank God he got in the storm. I thank God that he got thrown overboard. I got to thank God that he had to st- spend some time in the stinky belly of a big fish. I smell it like that. Read Jonah's prayer in Jonah 3. He's like, this is disgusting. This is gross, God. Can't believe you have him here. I'm glad he was there. Do you know why? Because it shows me the love of God. Because God didn't want him to end up in Tarshish. Because Tarshish means she will shatter you. She will cause poverty. And God said, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get you back to following me. I'm going to put you through the storm. I'm going to have some friends throw you overboard. I'm going to make sure that your time is not pleasant. There's going to be some uncomfortability. Why? Because I need you to hear me. My deepest desire is not for you to be shattered. This is why Paul turns to Timothy and he says, Timothy, in this Christian life, man, we got to fight in 1 Timothy 1.18. He says, we got to fight the good warfare with faith and with a clear conscience because some have rejected it and in rejecting the word and rejecting who God is, they have shipwrecked their faith. The truth is God's desire for us is to silence the grumble so that you and I can follow the king. It is why Peter brings it back to the word and who the word and how the word relates to Jesus. In verse 69, he says, Only you, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. Only you are the source. Only you are the way, the truth, and the life. Only you. But here, if I'm honest, here's the truth. If I'm honest, who Jesus is challenges me. Oh, I wish I didn't say that. But who Jesus is challenges me. I mean, I know his love accepts me. His grace redeems me. His mercy removes the wrath and the judgment of God from my life. But who he is as king, who he is as Lord, who he is as the word made flesh, Who he is is as the lover of my soul, who he is as the forgiver of every person, who he is as love incarnate, who he is as he interacts with people, who he is as peace, who he is as grace. It challenges me because it challenges my self rule, it challenges my self determination, it challenges my need to see myself as good, that what I'm doing is enough. It challenges my soul for control of my life. It challenges my fallen nature that's left inside of me so that I end up doing what Proverbs 14, 12 says. There's a way that seems right to me, Jonah, but at the end leads to death. It challenges me to look at the real me, not the cleaned up Kyle version, the unedited version of me. Come on, we all have the cleaned up version, don't we, of ourselves. But can I be honest with you, that's not who we really are. It's who we would like to be without too much sacrifice to become it. Our cleaned up versions of ourselves are who we would like to be if we didn't have to sacrifice too much to get it. But here's the reality. The reality is his perfection must never be used as an excuse for, for, to, for, to me to excuse me, but it should inspire me to love him deeper. I don't get to excuse myself because he's God and I'm not. I get to excuse myself because he's Jesus and I'm Kyle. His perfection should inspire me to love him more. That someone so perfect would want to be around someone so imperfect. And would want to and do everything he could to make me like him. That's crazy in my mind. The problem is, though, when we use our understanding of our own hearts as a guide, we will give our souls permission to bring God down to our level. But the heartbeat of Christianity, the the heartbeat of the work of the cross, of the work of redemption itself, is to bring humanity up to God's holiness. Not to bring God down to our level, but to actually raise us up to be something we can't be without Him. Not a better human being not a better american not a nicer person not a better employee not a more prosperous man or woman a better husband or wife do you know what we're called to be like him in every level this is what jesus was talking about in john 10 just a few chapters over when he says the thief comes to kill steal and destroy but i've come that you may have life and life more abundantly that word abundantly means more holy more like him more like Him to reflect Him in everything we say, do, and allow. So, abundance is not measured by levels of prosperity, but by levels of intimacy we have with Him. So, we'll struggle when we allow the grumble to start with us, because when it starts with us, it leaves us open to be offended by Him, who He is. It's why Jesus says in John 60, uh, 61, he says, uh, does this offend you? Does who I am offend you? That word for offend in the Greek actually means to stumble. Does this cause you to stumble? It comes from the, the root word there comes from this word that means bait in the center of a trap. It's what hunters use to lure in prey so that they can trap them. But my friends, you and I have to understand, you and I are being hunted. We're being hunted by our soul's need to control. We're being hunted by our culture's need not to offend anybody. We are being hunted by the enemy to keep us from holiness and intimacy with God. You and I are hunted. We have to learn not to take the bait in the middle of the trap any longer. Man, if I was a good preacher, I'd be like, does the grumble make you stumble? Ha! Does the grumble make you stumble? Come on. you got to ask yourselves, will this grumble make me stumble? But that's actually truth. Thank you, my brother. (laughs) Gary waving his hat at me. Hallelujah. No, we have to ask ourselves, does this make me stumble? If I had a GPS and every time I put my destination in as Philadelphia and I ended up in Delaware, I'd be throwing my GPS out the window. Mm Mmm. We might want to do that with our souls. If every time I'm saying I want to follow Jesus, but I end up following myself, I might need to get a new app. The truth is that all grumbling untouched by the grace of God and the truth of God will cause us to be offended. And because we do not, stay with me just for a few more moments, we're going to wrap this up. But because we do not like to admit that we're actually offended with God, we project our offense on other things. We project our offense on the moment. Well, I can't really do that now because of this. Or we project it on the messenger. I can't believe that church, that pastor, my spouse is asking me to do this. Or we project it on the mission. Well, I'm not really called to be a full-time minister anyway. I mean, that's not really what I... I It's just me and Jesus. I said to Dee yesterday... Do you realize that in the New Testament there are only 24 individual verses that have to do with being a pastor or an elder, an overseer? And most of those kind of overlap with what they're talking about? There are 7,957 verses in the New Testament. 24 of them, if you're not on the pulpit today, you can go, "Not really for me." There's 31,000 verses in the Bible, 24. If you're not an overseer, may not have to do with you. I just thought I'd throw that out. <laughs> so when we go, well, you know, it's not really, I'm really not called to. Okay, you're not, maybe not called to preach. But you are called to forgive, just like I am. And to love, just like I am. And to give, just like I am. And to uh, speak kindly, just as I am. And to not judge, just as I am. And not to gossip, just like I Like, right? Like the believers above, however... No matter where the offense originates, it will stop our pursuit of him. And here's the key. In the natural, we will never personally pursue someone we don't believe that we can personally change. In the natural, you will never personally pursue someone you don't believe you can personally change. Come on, ladies. It's why you don't chase the good guy. It's why you don't chase the nice guy. You're chasing the bad guy. Why? Because I can change him. I could change him, I could change him, I could change him, I could change him. And all the bad boys in the room go, no, you can't, no, no, you don't, no. But the truth is this, when we perceive God as unchangeable, God is unmovable, God is unbendable in his word and towards his truth, we will stop pursuing him because we don't believe we can change his mind. So unless our desire to love him becomes greater than our desire to be unchanged because of him, we will not pursue him. That's why 1 John 5, 3 says this, the love of God, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and they're not burdensome. My friends, you and I don't simply struggle from an obedience issue. We have a love issue that translates into a trust issue that morphs into a control issue. And even then, when we obey, many times it's in our desire to control God's perception of ourselves. Or at least to get him to feel entitled that he owes us something. Do you know the sad thing for me out of this verse? That this happens in John 6. There are 15 more chapters of the life of Jesus to go. They still may have all gone to heaven. They still may have heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead. The blind man seeing. The lame man walking. They may have heard about the feeding of the 5,000 or Peter walking on the water. They, they, they may have heard about the setting free of the demoniac or that Jesus was really the true shepherd. They, they may have heard about the triumphal entry or even his work on the cross. They may have heard about his death and his resurrection. They may have heard about the empty tomb. They may have heard about Pentecost and how the spirit fell and how, the, and how God and how Jesus ascended into heaven on the, on the clouds with the angels. They may have heard about all of it, but they didn't experience any of it. That's so sad. They didn't get to celebrate those parts of life with Jesus. Their choosing not to follow him didn't keep him from being him. But it, de- it did keep them from experiencing him in those ways. It did keep them from celebrating him for who he was and how we should have celebrated him. I was saying to Dee the other day, you know, when it comes to church... It's easy at times to preach the principles and precepts of God in church, maybe sometimes from two different places. Sometimes they're preached to spur and inspire our selfish natures. What can I get out of it? How's it going to bless me? And when we preach those things from those areas, many times it keeps people because we want to know how can this benefit me. And that sometimes these principles and precepts are preached to spark the guilt nature in people. Because we don't have enough. Or if you, if you, if you really loved people, if you really loved God, you would do these things. And it's a, an attempt to get the guilt to work. And that tends not to work at times at all. But how about if we just stopped for a minute and asked, how does, what does my response to the word say about my relationship with the Word? What does my, how does my response, what's my response to the Word, to Jesus, to living this out, what does it say to Him, about Him? What does it say to Him about our relationship? What does it say to Him about how much I value Him? Why do we have to transfer it about through who we are or what we are? Start with Him. How does my response To him and his word, what does it say to him? Because Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He doesn't say if you want to go to heaven, keep my commandments. If you want to prosper, keep my commandments. If you want to make sure nothing bad happens to you, keep my commandments. If you want to make sure at the end, your weight on the scale is good and better than not, keep my commandments. He says, look, if you love me, this is what it's about so when we ru- when we struggle with the grumble what we're really struggling with is an area of love with him i love something more than him and it's okay L- listen to me it's okay that's what he died for he died because we loved our life more than him but it's not okay to stay there The reality is, my friends, there are just some things that we'll never experience of Jesus or with Jesus without being willing to follow him past those hard moments, those grumbles that squeeze our soul. It's just not, what we, it's not that we just won't get something from him. It's that he will not experience something from us that he deserves. If you love me, keep my Commandments. I can promise you, running to the border won't stop that grumble. Following our hearts won't stop that grumble. Being half in and half out won't stop that grumble. Finding a church that is in line with your political views won't stop that grumble. Being in it to win it won't stop that grumble. Being half in half out won't stop the grumble. The only thing that will stop the grumble is our persistent pursuit of who he is. And nothing else. No turning back. No turning back. What's that old hymn say? The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow no turning back we don't have to be perfect but we do have to choose to pursue what is our activity and our response to the word saying about our love relationship with him this morning will your grumble make you stumble come on let's pray I'm actually going to just ask the worship team to come back. Dee, can we come back and sing that song that you sang earlier? Because I'm desiring, I don't know about you, church, but I'm desiring for God to set up a passion so deep in my soul that I can't control. That every time I start to grumble and stumble, that something inside of me burns it away. That my love for him supersedes my love for self. or need, or rule, or attention, or insecurity. There's got to be something inside of us, church. And we can't, we can't stir it up because we want to. We can't just want to be better. It starts with Him. The Bible says we love because He first loved us. Every part of transformation starts with Him. Every moment of change in us starts with surrender to who He is. NOT WHO WE WANT HIM TO BE, NOT MY JESUS, OUR JESUS. Not the Jesus of my experience or my youth or my childhood or my upbringing. The Jesus who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Who is Alpha and Omega. Who is outside of time and space. Who sits on the throne of heaven. Who is at the right hand of God. The Father Almighty who will step out one day upon the clouds and descend and bring his children home. That Jesus out of whose mouth comes the sword of truth that slays the nations. whose on his leg is written faithful and true. He is the King, the Lord, the Sovereign of all nations on His name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus, Jesus Jesus, Jesus is Lord, not my insecurity, not my experience not my comfort level, Jesus is Lord we need a fire Holy Spirit, we need a fire Holy Spirit, we need a fire, God we need a fire Today, my friends, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to stand and sing. But if you're here today and you can just say, man, honestly, Kyle, I just need that fire for God. I need to surrender. I need to get right with God. I need to actually let Jesus be the Lord and Savior of my life. I need to take that step Maybe you've done it when you were little. Maybe you've done it when you were in youth. But today is a day you find yourself like those believers at a distance with God. The Bible says His love is so great that if we simply repent and turn around, that the Father will run to us. He's not a God that keeps you at arm's length. He's a God who passionately pursues you. So, come on, all we've got to do is ask Him to come back and be in our lives. And if that's where you are, maybe for the first time, or you just need to come back to Jesus, now's your moment. We're all going to pray, but you pray from the bottom of your heart. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you all of my life. I'm holding nothing back, even the areas of my life in which I grumble where I've stumbled in the past I willingly surrender to you I'm asking you Jesus to be the Lord over those areas to be the Lord of my life forgive me of my sin I repent I turn around I'm running after you I'm choosing from this day forward to live for you for your glory, for your honor, for your kingdom, and to love you with everything I've got. In Jesus' name, amen, and 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. Church, can you guys just stand with me for a moment? No matter where you are in this room, whether you're online, whether you're listening, driving in your car later on in a podcast, I'm inviting you right now into this moment of worship. In the beginning of this service, we had a prayer that our God would send rain and bless the work of your hands. At the end of this service, we are taking our hands and our voice and we are calling forth His holy rain We are calling forth to give Him praise. It's not about what we can receive. It's about what He can receive from us. This worship unhindered. Hands held high. Voices making a joyful noise. One King, one Lord, one God. Hallelujah. We
3: lift ourselves We lift ourselves to Let praises arise from the inside from the inside of me may you delight on the inside on the inside of me and come feel my life on the inside, yes, from the inside inside of me and set me on fire.
4: Sometimes, church, it's just good to be still and know, to be still and know in this crazy world where we go 8,000 miles an hour all the time, constantly checking our phones, our emails, our texts. Our attention is so shattered, so divided. We become slaves to the immediate so often. In these moments, to be still and know that He is God. We're going to end service. Just going to, before we go, we're going to, um, after we end service, we're just going to stay here for a little bit with some worship going. If there's any business you want to do with God, we'll just take a few moments in just a couple seconds to come on, and you can sit, you can stand, you can kneel, and just do business with God. You know, this is the time in our service where we talk about offering. But to be honest, the entire message, (laughs) we shouldn't need any more message than that to encourage us to give offering to God and I know on screen they'll throw up there the ways that you can give and we have that QR code that you can just punch up there on your phone or at any of the kiosks there's envelopes all around the room there's lots of ways to give I would always encourage you to think about giving uh, through CCB through automatic giving it's just always helpful But this is a way of worship. But there's the offering message. Give and it shall be given. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. I don't give because I get back. I get back because He's awesome. I give because He's awesome. Father, I pray that the Lord God Almighty, that Your presence may go with us this week your spirit may fill us to such overflowing that in those moments where our soul finds the grumble where we begin to cringe when our control reaches for our soul I pray Holy Spirit that you move and you intercede and you intervene let my King's kingdom come let the will of the Father be done in our lives this week in everything we say everything we do and everything we allow may it reflect your glory may it sing and scream of our love for you and may you know in the highest heavens that your people adore you with everything we've got we love you And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, look, if you want to talk, we really encourage it. Hang out for a little bit out in the lobby. Linger for a bit. Get to know one another. But we're just going to stay here for a few more moments. So if you have some business to do with God, here we are. Here he is. God bless you. And I'll see you next week.